What's up, Whoa That's Good fam? Welcome back to the Whoa That's Good podcast, y'all. We have a special guest on today who y'all probably already know. If you were at Passion, you definitely know him. But if you don't, you want to listen to this whole conversation because he is a very interesting person on a mission, as we all are, to preach the gospel to all the nations. And I just love his ministry and all that he does. So I'm so excited to welcome David Platt to the podcast. It's good to be here. Welcome, David. Yeah, so glad that you're here. This is, uh, you know, we've been trying to get you on the podcast yes. for a while, so I'm glad it finally worked out. Yes, yes. A lot of different uh, obstacles, right? Yeah, here and there, but yes, in God's timing, here we are. Amen. I believe that. In God's timing, that's awesome. Mm. Well, I have to ask you the question I ask everyone that comes on the Whoa That's Good podcast first, and the question is a loaded one. It's what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Uh, that's such like the best uh i would say um three words so i'm gonna put it all in one one piece of advice but uh three words that i i just constantly come back to that people have told me and this is a conglomeration of the advice like abide uh surrender abide and rest that if we do those things in our lives if we're like totally surrendered to god who created us and knows what's best for us dying to ourselves, trusting in Him, abiding in Him, and just focus on Him, His Word, walking with Him, uh, and all the ways we know to do that according to His Word, then we can rest. He's going to lead us and guide us and direct us. Like if we are surrendered, abiding, then we can rest. Uh, God wants His His will, His good will for our lives to happen more than any one of us does. And He will make it happen if we're surrendered to Him and abiding in Him. Wow, that's so good. That's a definite, whoa, that's good moment because I literally put my pen out and started writing it down. Surrender, <laughs> abide, and rest. That's so good. It's simple, but it's um, so true. I love how whenever mm. you teach, you're, you're very much like, here's my three words or here's my three points or I'm going to give you nine things or five things. And I'm like, I need to be <laughs> like that. I'm just not, I am not organizing anything in my life enough to be like, here are the four things, you know, but one day I'm going to do it and I'm, I'm going to shout you out for that. Um, Well, I want to hear a little bit about um, really just your story, because I know so much about what you do and uh, what mission you're on now and your family now. Um, Maybe some people don't, and we're going to get to that. But what was your upbringing like? Like, what do you feel like were some of the influences that made you who you are today? Um, Because you really are such an interesting person and do so many things. And, you know, I look at someone like you and I'm like, where did you come from? What, What was your life story like? And so tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about who you were before maybe a lot of people knew you yeah so uh well a lot of grace is where i come from like i uh and and and, yeah we'll jump into more later but i i would just kind of preview some of the things that i'm most passionate about like getting the gospel to billions of people who never heard it like i was born into a home where i've heard the good news of god's love in jesus like ever since the day i was born And I'll just point out the obvious, like I had nothing to do with where I was born. That's purely the grace of God. Why was not born and why was I not born into a place in the world where, uh, where they've never heard the gospel? Like that's, that's the pure mercy of God and a mysterious mercy that I can't explain. And so, but that, that leads into, uh, part of what, yeah, is deep on my heart to do with my life. But so I was born into a context where I've heard the gospel to a mom and a dad. And I would say my story uh, is really summarized in many ways by about 
a handful of guys, like five or so guys who have had an indelible impact on my life, like starting with my dad and, uh, and then a few other men along the way who just invested in me, like taught me to follow Jesus. Uh, one of those guys, uh, encouraged me to, he, he's, he's the first guy to give me an opportunity to preach a sermon when I was in eighth grade. And I should not have been preaching a sermon when I was in eighth grade city. Uh, and That's I could, awesome. I could have picked, so it was like for a youth service, it was like hundred or a couple hundred other students. And I could have picked any passage in the Bible. And I picked uh, revelation three, which, uh, wow. talks about, uh, like Laodicea church spewing or God spewing them out of his mouth. And so I, I got up and, uh, <laughs> uh, before I said anything, I walked up there with my Bible and I took a, a bottle of water with me and I sipped it and then I spit it out in the front row. And I was like, that's what God thinks of you if you're lukewarm. And so anyway, that's kind of how it all started for me. But so thankfully I had a, a guy in my life there at that moment, like, okay, that's one way to start a sermon or maybe there's other ways. Um, and so Wait, anyway, so in your eighth grade mind, did you like see that somewhere or did you come up with that? And you're like, Oh, that's good. Oh, I came up with like, I'm sitting there. I had like, I studied for hours for that sermon. I was like, how, how can I illustrate this? I was like, maybe I could spit water on the front row. So that's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, so that's just one picture of uh, the whole point was like a guy who like, gave me that opportunity and really encouraged me in life and following Jesus and what it means to study the word, memorize and, and to be on mission. Like, so just a, a few different men who I, who've made me who I am. I mean, did disciple making in my life, what Jesus has commanded yeah. us all to do. They did this for me. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, growing up, I was probably, uh, I was, I was, I think I was pretty socially awkward, but I, yeah, I would say very socially awkward. Uh, I'm thankful that God provided, uh, a girl in my life who was somehow attracted to my social awkwardness and my wife. <laughs> and so, uh, we met, she was like super cool and I was super not, um, but, uh, by God's grace again, like she, uh, starts uh yeah getting to know me and i'm like afraid to talk to girls and uh this i was like a senior in high school at this point so that's kind of gives <laughs> you a little glimpse into my social awkwardness um but uh so we start dating uh actually i was a junior in high school she was a senior and uh and then we ended up going to the university of georgia together and uh got married right after that and then uh went to uh New Orleans to study school, do, do more graduate school when, while she was teaching. And then, so I, I don't know, I don't, I'm, I'm starting to give my life story. I don't know if this is helpful or not. Uh, and then God provided a lot oh, of kids along so the way. I love it. It's so helpful. I love it. And it does give a window into, you know, how you are, who you are, but also it also shows that you've always been who you are, you know, and mm. we talk about that a lot, that we're all created originally and who mm. we were originally created to be. God kind of weaves together all through our life and we don't really see, you know, it at the time. But then when we look back and we're like, wow, I've always been like this, you know, like mm. when you look back at eighth grade and you're like, you know, you spit the water out and that's really funny, but you do still preach with an intensity that not many mm. people do, you know? And mm. I think that that's really cool. Whenever I was, um, 
you know, young, I remember my first uh, sermon, if you will, it was really just at this leadership training for Christ event. And it was like, we had our speech moment and I preached on, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And literally just wrote a book around this whole idea of being the light of the world. Still am talking about it, still preaching the same thing. And so I do feel like there are some things that God puts like a message on your heart or a mm. um, even just the, the type of personality you have and you grow in that and you mature in that. And yeah, people come along and disciple you and train you mm. to be better at that. And gosh, God works so much in you and the grace of that. But, but there was something that was always there. And I think that that is really, really cool to hear. I was just reading Esther in my Bible reading and yeah, like all, all the details in that story that God's doing and even the hard things, right? Even the yep. uh, things that don't make sense and you don't understand why, but that, yep. that God is just weaving this story together. Uh, like we know Romans eight twenty eight says yep. for our good when we're trusting in him. Like uh, anyway, yep. it's a pretty powerful picture. Yes. To think about that in every one of our lives. Y'all, I love summertime. It is my favorite season and I'm so excited to jump back in. We are approaching the best time of the year. But no matter what your summer looks like, KiwiCo invites kids and kids at heart to enjoy their first summer adventure series. Kids can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks, no matter what their age is, with enriching activities that accompany each project. KiwiCo has something for everyone with different topics for each age from space to dinosaurs and so much more. I am so excited about the summer series. We actually are getting this little driver that I know Haven is going to love because it's a little steering wheel and she loves anything active and also a little like neighborhood fun one where they have a water paint thing, which is so good because it's not going to make a mess and Honey is so into painting right now. And painting with a three-year-old, yeah, that's just hard. So I'm excited for the no mess. KiwiCo offers kids a chance to get outside and explore screen-free with projects like the Bottle Rocket Kit from the Summer Adventure Series. They can turn the outdoors into a playground of learning and fun. Every Summer Adventure Series with KiwiCo is a personalized experience that includes real engineering, science, and art projects. And you'll be impressed with how high quality all the materials are. Everything we've gotten from KiwiCo has been absolutely amazing and such high quality. I know sometimes it can be hard to find creative, engaging ways to keep your kids away from the screens and just having fun, but KiwiCo does the legwork for you so you can focus on spending fun and quality time tackling projects together. The KiwiCo Summer Adventure Series is personalized to your family and can be received all at once or weekly for six weeks depending on your schedule. If you like it all at once, that's great, or space it out a little bit. Build the best summer ever with KiwiCo. Get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash Sadie Rob summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico, K-I-W-I-C-O.com slash Sadie Rob summer. Spring is a great time to start something new, right? So whether it's cleaning or a new hobby or a new audiobook, a good story is always a great way to start a new journey and Audible has all that you need. I come from a family of great storytellers, so I know Audible is the home of storytelling, which is where I want to be. Audible lets you enjoy all your favorite audio entertainment together in one app. There's always something new to discover or you can rediscover some of your old favorites. Audible has an incredible selection of audiobooks from every genre like bestseller, 
bestsellers, new releases, memoirs, mysteries, and thrillers, business, and more. It is the destination for mind-blowing entertainment with selections of mystery and thrillers that will keep your heart racing. And with next listen recommendations, there's always something irresistible at your fingertips. Plus, members get full access to a huge and growing selection of included audiobooks and audible originals and even podcasts like, well, that's good. So you can download them or stream them anytime, anywhere. Audible members can also pick one title each month to keep from the entire catalog, which is some serious benefits, y'all. The newly included selection of titles makes your Audible membership even more valuable and gives you the chance to discover your next favorite thing. With thousands of titles available, you're definitely going to find something that you love all in one convenient app. So I know some of you are into, you know, thrillers, crime, mystery. And I got to be honest, that's not really been my thing. So I told Bella, okay, Bella, tell me what I could like listen to that wouldn't scare me, but I would like be into it. And she told me about this title called The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. And so I started it and John Luke loved it too. And so I'm just now on the cusp of it. And y'all, let me tell you, it is very entertaining. You do want to listen to see what happened next. So if y'all are into that, Audible is a great place to find those too. New members can try Audible now for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash Woe or just text Woe to 500 500. That's audible, A U D I B L E dot com slash Woe or text Woe to 500 500 to try Audible for free for 30 days. It's so powerful. I was actually, I just um, preached a sermon on David's life being like that because mm-hmm. David, you know like leading up to his life, like the moment of Goliath, like everyone just kind of talks about that moment. But when you back it up, he was so prepared for that moment because Mm -hmm. of all the things that God had led him to do. And then when you say like, wow, he was king. How was he king whenever he was a shepherd? But like at one point he was playing music in the palace. So he got Mm -hmm. to see Saul and understand what that looks like. And just God had truly prepared him the whole way. And I think so many times we step into something and we feel like, oh, we're so not equipped for this. We're so not ready for this um, because it might seem like a crazy thing or it might seem like a big step. But when you look back, you're like, actually, like, I think God's been preparing me for this my whole life, mm, you know? That's good. Um, and it's really cool to see. So, yeah, I encourage everyone to look at their story and kind of just retell your story because I think you'll run into things you're like, wow, that's crazy. That's mm. exactly like me now or that uh, was something that prepared me for where I'm at now. And mm-hmm. it's just cool. Um, I love how yeah, you mentioned discipleship already, which you talk about discipleship a lot. Um, and you you wrote about one time, I think it was in Radical, or maybe I've just heard you say it. Um, you said that maybe we're a little bit confused on what discipleship is or what it means to make disciples. And um, I love how you put it in a more, I don't know, understandable way. So can you help you understand like what that actually looks like? Because that is something we're all called to. And so how do we begin to do that? And just our mm. everyday lives, people listening to this podcast and discipleship is not on their mind, but it should be. And so what does that look like? That's good. Yeah. I, and we like, we, this should be like, we should be all be on the same page. Everybody's a follower of Jesus on this one. Uh, because like, this is the clear command he gave to us right before he left and, uh, uh, before he ascended into heaven. And so there should not be ambiguity among us about what it means to make disciples. And this should be like driving all of us. Uh, so yeah, the, it's, it's really interesting when I, so the way I often put so what does it mean to make disciples? Uh, and you look, I mean, it's based on obviously Matthew 28, uh, 19 to 20, when, when Jesus says, go 
Uh, make Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So you've got one command actually there, make disciples that's surrounded by three words, going and teaching and baptizing. And, uh, and mm-hmm. you do that in all nations. And so here it is. So put, put that four piece, those four pieces together. Uh, so going, <laughs> bat- going, baptizing, teaching, doing that in all nations. So the way I try to remember it uh, is share the word, show the word, teach the word, and serve the world. Uh, so, and it's really interesting. I was having a conversation just yesterday, uh, with a guy that I was speaking at a conference and ran into a guy from India. He's doing awesome work in India. And he comes up to me. He's like, I've got, uh, he's like, I got all these sermons that you preached on my, uh, my phone or whatever. And he's like, from the very beginning, I've been sharing the word, showing the word, teaching the word and serving the world. Like he just repeated it back. And, uh, but I hope not just like my words, I hope it reflects what, what Jesus words are saying that we share the the word. Like we lead people to Jesus, to life Mm -hmm. in Jesus. And then we show people how to follow Jesus. Um, we, we demonstrate that in our lives. Like this is, that's where this happens life on life. And that's what those men did in my life. They didn't just tell me things like they showed me what it looks like to be a, a a husband, a dad, just a man who's following Jesus. So share the word, show the word, teach the word. So yes. And we've got to pass on. And then this is not just teaching, like, even like you and I've been talking about, like in front of a group of people, but uh, in a Deuteronomy four and six kind of way, just in the context of our everyday conversations, like the word just flowing from us, what we learn from the word, what I learned from reading Job and second Corinthians this morning, that that would flow out of me today. It's not just mm-hmm. t- tended to stop with me. It's intended to spread through me. So that's true for all of us, just word saturated. We're teaching others to follow Jesus. And we do this Good. among all the nations. Uh, so we do this right where we live with a goal of seeing disciples made among every ethnic group in the world. So that's disciple making, share the word, show the word, teach the word, serve the world. I love that. That's so good. I love how you put that. And you brought up something that I was going to ask you about, a quote that I have from you. It says, when we realize we have the responsibility that we have to teach the word, it changes everything about how we hear the word. Mm. And I'm like, that is so good because honestly, um, that, and I don't even know that this is necessarily a good thing, but that actually was a big motivator for me um, back whenever my family kind of got a platform. And I was like, man, like, people are listening to what I'm saying. And so if people are listening to what I'm saying, then I really hope I'm saying something good. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, really started to think about that. And so I took some time off of social media. It was like three months. And I was just like, I just need to read the word. Like, I have to read the word. Mm-hmm. Because I read this verse about how, you know, I, I can't remember exactly where it is. I know it's like in Proverbs and then it's again in the New Testament, but it talks about how from the heart, like, so the mouth shall speak, like everything mm-hmm. in your heart is what is going to come out. And I was like, felt very convicted, like, oh gosh, like I need to make sure my heart is pure. I want to, I want to know like what's going in so I can be confident in what's going to come out because I knew like I was about to start speaking. I was about to start really having a platform. And so it took three months to really, really study the word. And I still study the word, but those three months were just like building a foundation. And it was kind of that idea that, oh gosh, like I'm about to teach the word. So I need to make sure I'm really hearing the word. I need to make sure I'm really understanding. And when I heard you say that, I was like, man, like that just puts it in um, a practical way for everybody and and a challenge to everybody Mm -hmm. because I think so many people even listen to this podcast just because they want to get filled. But they're not thinking, what can I receive that I can go out and teach? 
And so mm. what do you think is like maybe a challenge to us as people to not just be people who are consumers in the church, but actually people who are actually going out and teaching, um, even if it's not their job to do ministry, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Like I love, there's so much what you're saying there. So yeah, I would, I would, I would say we all need to ask, are we receivers? The way I put it, are we receivers or are we reproducers? Meaning, are we just soaking in and in the process living a pretty self-centered Christianity? Like where it's just all about what yeah. can I get? Even when our, in our, in our Bible reading, like just alone, like, okay, what can I get? Like, yes, we want to grow in Christ. We want to know God more, but it's not just for us. And, and we're listening on a Sunday in a, a local church or, uh, or a podcast like this, like how can what I am receiving from God by his grace, not stop with me, but spread the sound and reproduce it. The picture I always give is like, uh, imagine being in a hut in the middle of Southern Sudan. So this was years ago. Um, and this picture is still ingrained in my mind and I'm, I'm like walking to the word, uh, with these brothers and sisters. And the whole time I'm talking with them, I hardly ever see their faces. And it's not because they're like sleeping or dozing off. It's because they're writing down like every single thing I say. And they're and they come up to me afterwards wow. and they say, we believe we have a responsibility to take everything we've learned from the word, translate it into our tribe's languages and teach it in our tribes. Like they're not living just for themselves. Wow. They're living for the sake of others. And which leads to the other thing I love about what you're saying, because you here you are at that point in your life. You're like, OK, I'm influencing others. I want to make sure that I, I'm influencing them in good ways. Well, the reality is, yeah, it may not all be on uh, the level of a, a Sadie podcast, but all of us are influencing others every day. And so right. how are we going to okay. influence them? And uh, and this is where I, I really believe God has designed disciple making, not just to help others grow in Jesus, but actually to help us grow in Jesus. Once you realize, wow, mm, I'm influencing others. That's good. You had to go to new depths and new heights in your knowledge of the word and your understanding of the word. And it was that responsibility to lead others that actually took you to new heights and, and depths in your relationship with God. In the same way, I I, hmm. I would say we're all going to stagnate. Every Christian will stagnate hmm. in our relationship with God if it's just about us. But when others hmm. are dependent on seeing Jesus in us and learning from us what God is saying in his word, then we have to actually show Jesus. And we have to know what his word says and God's design. He's got the whole thing rigged. He's designed disciple making mm-hmm. for others to grow in Jesus and for us to grow in Jesus. And we will miss out. We will be stagnant yeah. uh, Christians with a ceiling over our heads spiritually until we're committed to helping others. Uh, yeah. Until we're committed to sharing the word and showing the word to others and teaching the word to others. That's so good. Come on. I, I hope everyone was listening with the volume all the way up to what he just said. And if you didn't, then rewind and listen to it mm. one more time because mm. that was so good. Um, you know, you talk about reaching people who don't know Jesus. And like even in my mind, and, and I've been to places where people don't know Jesus. And so I've been able to see it and um, kind of understand what that, that looks like. And I'm really grateful that I've been able to, to go to those places and hopefully make an impact in the best way that I can by spreading spreading the good news, right? Um, but I feel like even with the small thing that I've seen, like to imagine someone never hearing the name of Jesus is so hard for so many of us to picture and imagine because for us, it's like, we're constantly preaching, we're sharing, we're doing those things to people who have known about Jesus their whole life and trying to get mm-hmm. like a light bulb to click of like, do you mm. not see how good this is? You got to see the truth. But you said it at passion and it hit me for the first time. Like 
when you said the name Jesus to someone and they say, who? You know, and I was thinking about that in the context of even this week. I was, um, okay, so have you ever heard of crumble cookies? Uh, we love crumble cookies, yes. Okay, so so I had never heard of crumble cookies until this week, which I feel like I was just missing something major in my life. But it was just so funny because somebody says crumble cookies, I'm like, what? And then they're like, you don't know what crumble cookies are? And I'm like, no. Mm. And so then I asked someone else, I was like, do you know what crumble cookies are? And they're like, yes, how do you not know what crumble cookies are? And I was like, I just don't know, you know? And I was like, man, like that's, you know, in a way bigger, bigger, way more detrimental way. Uh, people around the world who what we feel like is so obvious, everybody knows it's so great. How could you not know? They've literally never heard of it. They've never heard mm. the name. So what has that experience been like for you um, introducing people literally for the first time? And what has the response from that person been maybe different than people that you see in America or people who have heard Jesus their whole life? Like, Do you see a different response to the gospel when people hear those words for the first time in other places? Is mm. it different? Yeah, wow. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I, uh, when I think about that question, well, one, uh, you were talking about crumble cookies. Like my mind immediately went to illustration I actually used recently. And I think I may have included in Radical, but a friend of mine who, when God opened his eyes to the reality of unreached people, was when he was in a remote part of the world. And he was asking uh, this people in this remote village, like, where does the rain come from? Where do you believe the rain comes from? Or who created you? Or uh, what happens when you die? And, and their response was, uh, nobody's told us about that yet. And then he hmm. uh, goes and sits in one of their uh, homes and they bring him something to drink and they bring him a Coke bottle. And it hits him that like uh, a bottling company in Atlanta, Georgia has done a better job of getting brown sugar water to the ends of the earth than we have with the wow. greatest news in the world. And that's where his, his life just turned at that point. So anyway, I was thinking about it. So, I mean, they know about Coke, or that, but, but they don't mm -hmm. know about Jesus. Or, or I would add, even to use maybe the crumble cake analogy a little bit more, um, they either don't know his name or, or they know about him about as much as we might know, like about Confucius or something like, uh, I think he taught some philosophy. I don't know. Or they may have, to, if you use the crumble cookie analogy, uh, they, when they hear that, they may actually think of, uh, something really disgusting and, and, mm. and they have in their mind a picture of Jesus that is just not true. So that's what we're talking about. When we talk yeah. about unreached people in the world, people who've either never heard his name or never heard the truth about who he is. And so now to back to what you're saying, like, all right, so how, how do I see them responding? It's so, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting and sobering at the same time, because you realize you are, especially with somebody who's never even heard his name, like you're introducing someone for the first time to who mm -hmm. Jesus is. And, and you get, you, you, there's not this other picture that's been painted. That's false. Like it's, here's who he is, uh, which is awesome. And at the same time is really challenging because the reality is in those places for hundreds, if not thousands of years, uh, like there's been an adversary who's been blinding minds and convincing them of all kinds of other things that are not true about uh, God, right. creation, etc. And so there's a, it's not like it's like a blank slate. Yes, it is when it comes to hearing, never hearing the name of Jesus, but there's all kinds of ideas that now working through. Like if you're, you're talking with a uh, Tibetan Buddhist, like, 
Oh man, there that's that's a that can be a a, cha- a very very challenging conversation over the course of many days, weeks, months, years, even. Um, at the same time, this is the beauty of the message we have. Uh, like this name has power, and mm-hmm. this this good news has power, and and mm-hmm. the spirit of God. Uh, as I mean, I you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth with the power of my Holy Spirit. So it's not a natural conversation. You know, in that moment, like this is a supernatural conversation. And this is true wherever we are, but all the more so on the front lines of right. places where for centuries the adversary has had his way. And so to like, wow. there's no greater joy in that sense, Sadie, than to be the first person to introduce someone to Jesus. I say there's no greater joy. I'd rather not be the first person. I wish there weren't 3 billion people who've never heard the name of Jesus. And this wasn't uh, something we were stepping into, but I mean, what, what, what conversation can you imagine having that's more awesome than introducing somebody to Jesus for the first time? Yeah. Yeah. There's not a better conversation hmm. I can think of ever because I was excited about learning about crumble cookies. So I can't yes, imagine yes. the true just joy and um, true excitement and love and all the things hmm. that you experience in that one moment. So that's really hmm. cool. Hmm. Um, I got to ask you about all things radical, especially the book, because I loved the book radical. If you haven't read radical, you have to go read it right now. Um, pre-warning, it will change your whole life. You know, even for a Christian and I who have been Christians for a long time, when we read that book, we were had some serious conversations of like, okay, let's look at our life and let's look at, are we really, you know, living this out? Um, and it was just, it was so good. You know, like, I, I want to be challenged like that. And I encourage everyone to go be challenged like that. Um, so I just love it. But I want to ask you about the writing process of Radical. Like, what were your expectations when you wrote that book? And, um, you know, when you were writing it, did you think what was going to happen was going to happen? And for those who don't know, Radical exploded. So it did very, very well. But when take me back to that moment. You're writing a book. That was your first book, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I really was just writing out of the overflow of my own personal journey and something Heather and I'd walk through. Like I, we had, uh, we had, we'd, uh, I'd stepped into leading this church in uh, Birmingham and a year before we'd lost everything we had in hurricane Katrina, uh, mm-hmm. down in new Orleans. And, uh, I looked at Heather and I said, babe, we got an opportunity to like start over fresh. Not that we had accumulated tons of stuff, but it was just like, uh, let's, let's live simply. And, and just give generously and sacrificially. And so uh, we had this kind of op- rare opportunity in this culture to totally restart. And uh, a year later, I'm pastoring this large church and I've got more stuff and a bigger house than I'd ever thought. And I I had this sinking feel and I was totally missing the point. And I basically was in a fresh way. I just, mm. I call, I would call it a crisis of belief. I just found myself looking at the Bible saying, Okay, if I'm following this Jesus who said these things, and my life, and this kind of, I mean, in the eyes of the world, like in the church world, I was like living the dream. But I was like, that's mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to be the dream that's outlined for me here. And so, yeah. uh, so I began a process, and Heather and I began a process of uh, reorganizing some things in our lives, and then led the church through that. 
Um, and it was awesome just to see the way God started to move in the church. And, and, the, and, and so the whole point of writing this book, like was, I wanted to write things down that I was just, we were just going to kind of self publish it in house so that, uh, people who came to the church in the days to come would know why we're doing some things differently and why we're trying mm. to focus in these ways and using our resources in these ways. So that was the whole idea. So it would be like for members of our church, people who come to the church, uh, just kind of self-publish and maybe That's my awesome. mom would read it, whatever. So then, uh, <laughs> then we, yeah, basically got it in some other hands and then a publisher picked it up and, uh, um, uh, so then they published it and I probably, I, again, even when they published it, I was like, okay, people at our church who kind of know me and my mom will read it. I probably would have read it through a couple more times if I knew like a lot of people <laughs> were going to read that. But I think, <laughs> I think awesome. it really, uh, I, I don't think I, what I wrote in that book was, I think why it kind of took off was because it resonated with what a lot of other people were thinking and realizing. I don't think most people yeah. look in the Bible, honestly, at Jesus, look up at the church culture around us and think, yeah, this makes sense. I think I think most people no. listen to the words of Jesus. If we honestly look at him and then look up and think, well, this like if this is true, if what Jesus said is true and I'm following him then a nice comfortable christian spin on the american dream makes no sense it doesn't make any sense right. and and if there's billions of people who've never heard the gospel and i'm in this world like this 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 my life needs to look really really different with the way i prioritize things the way i use my money whatever it might be and so uh mm -hmm. yeah so that was kind of the process through which that that book came about it was just the overflow of what god was doing in my own heart personally and in the heart of uh the church i was pastoring at that point so cool. I love it. I love it so much because I feel like even in today's day, like so many people are trying to promote themselves and so many people are trying to get the message out. And, you know, I, I'm all about people writing books and starting podcasts and doing blogs and all that stuff. If it's really out of the overflow of your heart mm. and you really feel like, you know, this is something no matter what, no matter how many people listen, no matter how many people buy it, no matter what publishing company picks me up, like mm. I'm doing it because I'm doing it out of the obedience of my heart. But then there's you know, normally it's not that, you know, it's, mm. I want to get the following. I want to gain mm. the, all this stuff. And in that I'm like, man, like that's just, if, if God wants a message to go out, it, it will go out. And mm. I think about mm. how, um, when we went to Israel for the first time, we went to where Jesus preached like the Mount of Beatitudes, you know, like where he preached at that. And you know how at the bottom of that hill, if someone's talking, you can hear it at the top of the hill mm. because of the way that it's shaped. And I thought about that and I was like, man, I've never really thought about how thousands of people would show up to hear Jesus preach and everyone heard what he was saying mm. in that space because of literally the way that that is shaped the the actual mm. hill the actual mountain is shaped in such a way that thousands of people could hear his voice when he spoke those words that were completely counterculture to what was happening and how people were living and i'm like mm. I, god just began to reveal to me in that moment that hey like if it's a word i want to get out then the word will be mm. heard you know and i think radical is a prime example of that what you were saying was very countercultural to how we were living, and I say we as in 
the American mm. church, right? And it was so um, the truth of the gospel. And I think people are hungry for that. And I love how you talk about how the gospel is kind of the opposite of the American dream. Mm. And it, it really is. And we're living in this culture where the American dream is hot, right? It's everyone mm. wants it. We're going after it. And there's also so many Christian millennials and Gen Z and all of all of my my people who are trying to kind of do both. It's like mm. we want to be a Christian, but we also still want the American dream. We want to be a Christian, but our feelings are a huge priority. We mm. want to be a Christian, but we also want to be comfortable. Um, speak to that a little bit on how do you live radical as a Christian millennial in America? Mm. Well, I would just say, I, well, one, I love that question, and two, it's a, it's regardless of where we fall and uh, generationally, this is a battle. I, what's interesting, and I'm thinking about it in a fresh way right now as we're talking. I, uh, like, I wrote that book, and then it was super successful, and I found myself like getting invited to do all sorts of things, like all and all these kind of accolades. Not everybody loved the book. There was definitely criticism, but uh, accolades coming my way. And then I, I, I started like I was writing a book like to fight against the American dream. And I was starting to live it more like it was like wow. it was. And yep. so it's this constant battle, I think, for all of us. And uh, and I, I would even say like not long after that, uh, I, I went into a pretty a very very unhealthy spiritual place. And, uh, like I was getting invited to speak in all these different places. Our church was growing, the book was doing great. And I mean, there was a long season city in my life at that point where my time with the Lord was like non-existent. Like I would, I would not mm. spend time alone. I would, I would study the Bible to preach or I would pray in public, but I wouldn't pray in private. Like I was not walking with God. And that frightens me, like how successful I could be in the American church dream and do it totally apart from intimacy with Jesus. Like it was, uh, so now to come back. So this is a fight. It's a fight for all of us, but I really think it comes back to that fundamental call that Jesus puts before all of us. Like if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and, and, and daily, mm -hmm. daily deny. And so all the things that we're prone to desire, like the applause of people, comforts of this world, the uh, pleasures and pursuits of this world, possessions of this world, whatever it might be, like we are called to deny ourselves. Like in, in a world where, and this is, I think, part of the crux of the American dream. It's like, what can you do? Like you can achieve anything. Just believe in yourself, trust in yourself, promote yourself, even as you were talking about. Like you, And we follow a king who said, slay yourself, like deny yourself, mm. die to yourself, yeah. pick up a cross. And uh, this is mm. the Christian life. And so to say on a daily basis, and it goes back even to that surrender, abide, rest, like on a daily basis, come before him. Lord, I, I, I want to follow you for who you are, not, not even for who I can create you to be, like a Jesus who's just fine with uh, all my materialism and pursuit of worldly things and tax you on on Sundays. Like we can make Jesus mm. uh kind of into our own image instead of allowing him to conform right. us into his image. Um, and so to, to daily yeah. come before him in that way and to honestly examine our hearts. And uh, so for every yeah, millennial Gen Z uh, in the same way that I need to do, but just, but there are probably some different temptations. There's different challenges. There's different, whether it's, yeah, just when you think about social media, when you think about the, uh, the messages that you're hearing to seriously filter those through 
denying myself and not, and, and that can almost seem, uh, um, well, just really sad. Like I'm just going to deny myself, but that's the beauty. Take him across and follow me. What, what Jesus right. said to the rich young ruler when he said, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor and then you'll have treasure in heaven. He wasn't calling him to like a miserable life. He was calling him to him to right. full life. Like this is, so it's, it's worth it. He's better than all the best stuff of this world. And that's where even Matthew that's 13, great. 44, like when, when that, that little story Jesus tells about the man who's walking in a, in a field and he stumbles upon a treasure that he realizes is more valuable than everything else he has put together. And, and the text says, uh, and nobody else knows his treasure's there. So he goes and he sells everything he has, but it says with gladness, he sells everything mm, he has. Cool. So how can you do that? How can you, with, with a smile on your face, sell everything you have? Because he'd found something that was worth losing everything for. And, and for us right. to see, wow. for everybody listening to this, to see that Jesus is someone worth losing everything for. Like he's, he's worth denying ourselves to experience life and identity and joy and, and destiny in him. Like he's better than all the best stuff of this world. And so to constantly tell ourselves that, preach that to ourselves on a daily basis as we deny ourselves and step into the reward that is him. That's so good. Oh my gosh. I am like... I literally cannot wait for people to listen to this. I, I'm mm-hmm. glad for those of you who don't know this because you couldn't know this. Christian's in here listening to this. And I'm glad Christian, as my husband's in here listening to this with me. So we're both hearing this because I'm like, man, it's so good. And it's so true. And just that reminder that like we do serve a king who says like to deny ourselves and Mm. to give it all away but it's all actually worth it it's not like you're giving it all away and you just have to be like weeping and and sorrow because everything's going it's like gladly because Mm. of what is to come and I remember the first time I was like really reading um Hebrews 11 and like 12 and like where it's like all the heroes of faith and everything and I remember um, reading it and being like, oh, that's so cool, all these heroes of faith. And then at the end it says, um, and all of them, you know, went on without getting, you know, what was rewarded without seeing the promise um, on this earth. And you kind of read that and you're like, wait, what? Mm. Like they Mm. all did these awesome things and they didn't get to see it or they didn't get to receive it. But then it says, but because there is something better to come and it talks about just heaven and the reward that is to come in and, and heaven. And I was like, oh, like that is so cool, actually, that they gave their whole life to something that they didn't get the promises on this side of life, but they went out believing and full of faith of what was to come. And they lived their life gladly and they lived their life loudly and faithfully um, because they knew what was to come, the reward that was to come. I'm like, man, I want to live my life like that, like knowing and not getting disappointed when it doesn't happen here because I know it's going to happen there. And just living mm. full out like that. So that's so cool. Um, lastly, yeah, I wanna, real quick I, on that, uh, I just want to mention like a, a picture uh, that I got year, years ago from uh, Francis Chan, but it's so helpful. Uh, like he, he pictured a rope. So just picture a rope and it starts at this point and then goes like forever in one direction. And, uh, and, uh, and, and picture the beginning of that rope is like the start of our life. And like the first like inch of it is our life on this earth. And then wow. all that's to come after that. And, and it, just to think about how focused we are on that one inch. And like thinking, wow. okay, how can I live it up right here? Like we should be thinking about all this over here. Like it goes on forever. Right. Like for 10 billion right. years. And we're like focused on this little inch. And not even just little inch. Like the American dream is like, uh, 
work really hard and study. And then like this little part of this little inch at the very end, when you're kind of older and you're tired, then live it up then. Like that's success according to our world. Like don't buy it. Like there's so much more so than this true. little inch. There's this whole picture, which is what Hebrews 11 and 12 point us to. So to live for treasure in have treasure that will never, ever, ever, ever fade. Like that's, that's, that's life. So that's good. life. And it's just smart. We realize this at this point, it's like, well, to not follow Jesus is just not smart to not and, and to follow Jesus in uh, kind of a, a comfortable, casual Christian spin on the American dream like that. That's that's just it's dumb. It, it misses out on life. Uh, so anyway, yeah. just a little picture to put in that's our minds. Along so this line. good. I love that. I love that picture. And it's so true. And it makes me think of how so many people are like after fame. And fame mm. is like, what do they even say about it? It's 15 seconds of fame. Mm. It's like 15 minutes of fame, maybe like, even if it's seconds or minutes, who cares? It's 15. It's not a lot. Yes, you know, yes, it's very yes. brief. It's very short. And so many people have asked me like, you know, when you got famous, how did you not like just you know, want to pursue that instead of like pursuing Jesus and going towards ministry because, you know, obviously like it didn't really seem like I, I had to choose ministry after Dancing with the Stars. Mm-hmm. I had all these other opportunities coming at me and I'm like, why would I not like devote my life to what I'm actually like living for and actually like going towards like eternally, right? And mm, I could yes. spend a couple years living it up and getting praised for it and modeling and movies and all these things, but like at the end of the day, what does that mean? Like what is that what does that really matter? What does that mean for eternity? What does that mean for the gospel? What does that mean for what I believe, and my mom said this to me whenever I was young. She said, "When you decide to give your life to Jesus, when you become a Christian, when you know you're baptized, you make that decision." She's like, "You don't get to pick and choose when and where you're going to be a Christian. You are a Christian. So mm-hmm. that means if you get famous, you're still a Christian. If you're at work, you're still a Christian. If you're at school, you're still a Christian." And I think so many of us pick and choose like when we're going to actually claim our faith or when we're going to live our faith, and that's going to be on Sundays, and that's going to be in Bible studies and that's going to be with the right group of people. But then when I'm with my other group of people or when Mm. I'm at that party or have this opportunity, then we're not going to talk about our faith because that would be Mm. not cool. But like, that's actually what we're called to. Right. And so I I love that advice and and you live that so well. Um, I want to go over this story and just, you kind of bring this to life. Uh, you have so many great stories, but you talk about how you were in an underground church in Asia, um, one time and it's a place where Christians are heavily persecuted and these people were so desperate to hear the word of God they wanted you to teach the word and you go in and I'll let you tell the story but you had some ideas of what you were going to say you probably had your points your one two three four your <laughs> words and you talked for eight hours and not only did you talk for eight hours but they wanted you to come back like what does that look like and what can we learn from that of just that hunger for the word yeah, so that that picture, just in short, I mean, you summed it up pretty good. Like I was, I was in this context where I wasn't even planning on. We were in a place where there are very few believers, and there's they're persecuted, uh, so they have to meet in secret. And we were just going to be sharing the gospel uh, as best as we could. And if we get kicked out, then that's you know totally fine. And uh, so, uh, but met these couple leaders of a house church network. Um, and they asked me to come and spend time with them in the word. I thought it would be just, yeah, like a Bible study for an hour or so. And so, yeah, I had some things I thought through, okay, here's how I can encourage them from the word. And then 
eight hours later, we're still going strong. And these are, I mean, we're like sneaking into these places. Like we're meeting in secret. All the blinds are closed. Uh, these guys are not meeting. Like I would be kicked out of the country. They, I mean, that the consequences would be a lot worse for them. Uh, they could lose wow. a lot, uh, uh, including their lives. Um, so, um, anyway, but we got finished that first night and eight hours and they were like, can we do this again tomorrow? And I'm like, sure. And I'm thinking maybe tomorrow night or something. They said, well, no, we want to get together in the morning. It's like, okay, morning Bible study. And, and then they were like, until tomorrow night. And so, yeah, that started a process oh, for the wow. next two weeks that I was there. It was pretty much like 10 to 12 hours a day. Um, just, uh, walk to the word like they, uh, I was teaching at one point on Nehemiah. I was just talking about the importance of the word of God in the middle of the people of God from Nehemiah eight. And, and I gave them some background and history of the book that helped understand that, that, text that story and they came up to me afterwards when we were kind of in a break and they said we have never heard all that background that it was so helpful in understanding the bible can you do that for us with all the books of the old testament and so we walked through uh i was, oh I was like all of them they were like yes all of them so that's what we did we did we just started walking through that and then we had one day left uh and they were like we want to go the full day 12 hours it's like okay and i'm like i don't know what to what are we going to talk about we've been through habakkuk like what else is there to cover and i started talking about something that next morning and they were a uh, guy in the back kind of spoke up. He said, we have a problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, you've taught us the whole Old Testament, but you've not taught us the New Testament. And and I was like, uh, okay. He said, we want the New Testament today, please. And so we like spent <laughs> the next 12 hours walking from Matthew to Revelation. Like they love the word, Sadie. Like it, wow. it is worth giving their lives uh, to know it and to hear it. Like they're risking their lives for it. And I could tell story after story of, of that, that kind of picture around the world. And so like, is, so how does, is the same true with us? Like, do we love this word? Like we have mm. yeah. free access to it all the time. So are we, are we waking up and meditating on it day and night? I mean, I think about some of our, uh, uh, Afghan partners that we, uh, that we work with right now who, I mean, they, they meet in secret late at night by candlelight and they are just reading, like whispering the Bible. They have mm. one Bible between them. They have to go out and, and get, wow. uh, from, from a cave, uh, to bring back and read it by candlelight, uh, in order to just soak in, hear from God. Like it's that important to them. And yes, if they were caught, it would, it would cost them most likely their lives. And so this word is that good. Uh, and, and I would wow. just add, like, they have, they don't have so much of what we have. And, and obviously they're not mm -hmm. in good situations in these kind of persecuted situations. At the same time, they really believe there's power in just the spirit of God and the word of God and mm -hmm. not all this other stuff that we wow. oftentimes surround ourselves with in the church. Like there's a sufficiency in the spirit and the word that I, I long to be a part of. Hmm. Uh, so wow. anyway, yeah, That's so, so much to powerful. take away from those pictures. So much to take away. Yes, absolutely. And I know, I feel like we need some of that. We need a lot of that. Mm. We need that hunger for the word. We need that desire. We need that, um, just the understanding the gravity of what we hold and what we carry and what people probably have six Bibles in their house all around mm -hmm. that maybe they don't open, but like these people have one and they're all circled around and they're whispering and they're getting mm -hmm. it from a cave. And I've heard you tell stories of crawling through the night to hide mm -hmm. the Bible and then get it back and all the things. And it's just, it's just wild. Um, I know y'all's team has come up with a creative solution to help us get a little bit of mm -hmm. that with something called the secret church. Could share a little 
little bit about that and how people can get involved if they want to. Yeah. So we, when I came back from that, uh, we were sitting around, uh, just with some brothers and sisters and just friends. And they were like, why don't we do that? Why don't we get together for a like 12 hours at a time just to study the word. So we said, well, let's try it one night and we won't do 12. We'll just do six, uh, like from six to midnight. And, uh, and we'll gather around, just dive into the word. And, and I should add that, that 12 hours a day with those, those brothers and sisters in that location, like it's, it's studying the word and it's praying, like to pray with them, to see them yes. on their faces, just weeping in prayer. Um, so hmm. we said, all right, let's, let's set aside, uh, six hours, just, uh, study the word, uh, like with hunger for it, uh, till past midnight and to pray specifically for our persecuted brothers and sisters in the world. And, uh, so we started doing that years ago. Uh, like we'll do it again a few months from now. It's at the end of April secret church. Uh, this is the 22nd time we've done it and it's been awesome. Like it's, hmm. I love, awesome. and now it's uh simulcast cause we got to the point where I, that first night we did it, there were about a thousand people, uh, who showed up and, uh, and were part of this, which was awesome. Uh, but then we maxed out within about a year or two, uh, the number of people who could fit in a room. So then we tried to figure out anyway, that led us to simulcast. So there'll be 50,000 or so people from all around the world, uh, which yeah, anybody can be a part of secretchurch.org. Um, you can find out information about it. And so what we do is each time, so we'll take a different, so we did Overview the Old Testament one night, overview the New Testament one night, how to study the Bible, or we'll take different doctrines. So like this this time, I'm actually doing the doctrine of humanity. So what does the Bible teach about who we are? Uh, so our identity. Uh, and and then, I try, then I try to apply that to all kinds of different, so I'm to all kinds of different issues. So I'm taking doctrine of humanity and applying it to uh, artificial intelligence and gene editing and metaverse and social and digital media. And how wow. does... How does our understanding of humanity affect the way we live in light of all these issues in the world? Wow. And so, and race and justice. So it's just a, it's like a fire hose of content awesome. because it's kind of patterned after if, when these brothers and sisters get together in those places, like it's at the risk of their lives. They're, they're not playing around. Like they're making most of that time. So that's right. what we do. We just dive into hardcore six hours of prayer, uh, of study around the word and prayer. We'll pray specifically for a part of the world where the, our brothers and sisters are persecuted. So yeah, secretchurch.org. People could find out more information there. That is awesome. I'm so excited for that. I um, We want to be a part of it. I'm pointing at Christian. We want to listen in. And so secretchurch.org, definitely check that out. David, uh, thank you so much. Your stories are so powerful to just get to hear. Thank you for going and telling. Thank you for reading and sharing. Thank you for all the things that you and your family and y'all's ministry does to help um, just grow the church and equip the church. We're so appreciative. And this has just been a great conversation. And I have to say, you've also given great inspiration to people who used to be socially awkward because that was one of my favorite conversations that I've had in on the podcast because when people come on a podcast you know they're very mm. formal or interview like and they have their answer but you're such a conversationalist and I'm like that is awesome and so if you're socially awkward out there look at this man Look at how far he has come. (laughs) I I appreciate you being on the podcast and breaking past all the barriers. Love it. Well, thanks. This is pure joy. I'm so thankful for you guys. And uh, yeah, just for God's grace in you all. And and the way you always, Sadie, and and you've done it all throughout this conversation in a way that's encouraged me. And I trust everybody's listening. Like, 
yeah, God's unique grace in each of our lives, whether it's me and my social awkwardness um, and uh, um, and everything else that God's done, but, and, and even difficult things along the way, like the way God's uh, doing a lot of good work uh, when we trust in Him. So just grateful for you guys. Amen. 